nature to be rebels and so when you hear God's pure word and God says look I want you to do that I want you to love that person I want you to be a servant I don't want you to grumble I don't want you to complain I don't want you to all these things we all perpetually fall short and the people around us see it happen but if you're walking with the Lord people see that too Today, Pastor Daniel will take us through the steps that the priests went through during their offerings to God. Those offerings involved animal sacrifice and ritual cleansing. Not for us, though. Through Jesus, we're being cleansed and clothed in righteousness. He's changing us, and others are seeing it happen. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message entitled, Consecration of the Priests. Jesus is Let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Leviticus, chapter 8. Leviticus, chapter 8. If you're new to the Bible, super easy to find. It's, if you open up at the beginning, you have the book of Genesis, then you have the book of Exodus, and then, of course, dun da da there's the book of Leviticus. Right there, we love the book of Leviticus, even though we do acknowledge the fact that it is the graveyard for your yearly Bible reading plan. And it's okay that it's that. It's a challenging book to study through. We're just going to look at each verse and phrase the way we like to do it. Now, it's important that we put all of this in context, because now as we move into chapter 8, now we're actually seeing these things that we've been studying since the end of the book of Exodus is now beginning to take place. Remember, at the end of the book of Exodus, we had the whole discussion about the tabernacle and all the different pieces of furniture. We got all of the the priestly clothing of all these different types, whether it be the, the headgear, the turban with the, with the plate, we had the, the breastplate, we had all those stones, we had all the underclothes, we saw all of these things. And, and Moses was given very specific instructions by God as to what all these things needed to be. And remember when we went through it, we looked at all these different things and why they're there and what they mean. And sometimes we said, hey, we don't know what this means. But we saw that God is very specific in what he wants for worship. And then when we got into Leviticus, that first series called Sacrifice, we saw these five different types of sacrifices. And now what happens as you move into chapter 8, now the priests are now set apart. They're consecrated so that now all of this can begin. So before all of these sacrifices were offered, God wanted the priests to be prepared. Now, don't miss the application before we even get going. Because we learn in the New Testament that God calls his people a kingdom of priests. That's a a really amazing thought, because when you think of a priest, whether it's a priest in the time of the children of Israel, 
as they were wandering in the wilderness when they came into the promised land. Or today, when you think of someone who's a priest, you think of somebody who's been credentialed, somebody who's well-studied, maybe they've been uh, properly apprenticed for the ministry. And, and that's our kind of our common idea of a priest, but really, you're a priest, and so am I if you're born again through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Now, think about that. When was the last time you thought about yourself as a priest? You should start when you introduce yourself, hey, I'm Priest Daniel. Or insert your name. Wouldn't that be kind of weird? That'd be weird, right? Anybody think that'd be weird? Yeah, it'd be weird. But that's what you are. We've been made priests. Now, the function of the priest was to be the intermediary between God and the people. Jesus is that ultimate mediator. It says that there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But you and I, if we put our faith and trust in Jesus, are now the body of Christ. And so we take on a similar type of mediatorial role between the God of all creation and the people at large. And what that means is that if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, God wants to set you apart so that you can be his hands and feet in the world. And doesn't that change the way we approach our lives? If you realize that it's not just about getting a job and getting a job's a good thing, and it's not just about doing all those very normal adult things that we do, but as we do all those adult things, we are called to be ministers and priests of God to the world, to serve to care for, to point people to God. It's powerful. But before the priests, here in Leviticus chapter 8, before they begin their ministry, first they receive cleansing. A sacrifice is made for them, and it's ceremonially applied to them. And it's a very simple application, because in order to be a, a priest, of the Most High God, you need to be cleansed by the finished work of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. That's our entrance into the priesthood, that we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, and we have been cleansed, we have been purified, we have been washed. Now, someone is bound to say, well, listen, you know, I know all this Jesus stuff, he died, he rose again, you're cleansed by the blood, you know, like, but like after I get cleansed by the blood, I don't have it all together. And that's right. When we have put our faith and trust in Jesus, it doesn't mean that you have everything together. It means that God has changed your identity completely. As we've been seeing in Ephesians on Sundays, right? We were once darkness, now we became light. We were once dead, now we became alive. And once we've been made alive by the finished work of God, then God starts to slowly do a work that our experience will match our position. And that's the thing, for the, the, the rub for us as believers is that we know that we've been saved, we know that we've been perfected, but we struggle because we're like, well, I know that I'm saved, but I'm not quite right. Anybody ever feel that way? All of us feel that way, right? Because God has changed our position. We were guilty and now we're not guilty. We were lost and now we're found. We were blind and now we see. And then God says, 
And now I'm going to let you start to experience little by little every day as I'm growing you up in your most holy faith, your experience is going to begin to match that change in position. And that's why there's that little nagging holy dissatisfaction in our lives as Christians. Because our profession and our experience don't always line up. And I'm here to tell you, if you, if you feel that little tension, then you're right where God wants you to be. Because that tension is, this is what you are and this is what I'm bringing you into. This is where you stand, but I am reforming you and reshaping you. That conviction of the Holy Spirit, that's proof that you're God's kid. You know why? Because no parent disciplines someone else's kid. Or you shouldn't, that's abuse. You know? But because you're God's child, he says, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, not you. Not in my house. Yeah, other people may, but not in our house. And that loving discipline of a heavenly father is how God is reshaping all of us. So let's look at this, because as Pastor Chuck took this in kind of flyer review, this is a pretty elaborate ritual that we're going to see here. There's a lot of pieces to it. There's a lot of parts to it. There's a lot of nuances to this consecration or setting apart of the priest. So let's just jump in, and we'll see where we end up. Sound good? Amen? Okay. Leviticus chapter 8, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, a bull as the sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Verse 4. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and the congregation gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses said to the congregation, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. Now, notice this. This begins with God speaking to Moses. You see that word Lord in verse 1? In most of your translations, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. When you see Lord in all caps, that is the personal name of God. The, we'd say it today would be either Yahweh or Jehovah. It's God's personal name. It's the I am who I am who revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. It speaks of God in his covenant nature. So he's speaking to Moses. He says, I want you to take Aaron and his sons, verse 2, and the garments, the anointing oil, the bulls. So now we're seeing that fulfillment of what began in Exodus 29 when we saw all these garments. He's like, I want you to take Aaron and his sons, the, the descendants of Levi, that priestly class. I want you to take all the clothes that you had already made. I want you to bring the anointing oil. There, notice there's a bull for a sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, what we call matzah. And I want you to gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now notice this. This consecration was not some secret thing that went on in the inner sanctum of the tabernacle, but this went on at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and all the people were there. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? 
When God is setting apart someone for the priesthood, it's not some quiet ritual that no one sees, but everyone's supposed to be there. Everyone needs to bear witness to what God is doing, to how God is, people's, how God is setting some people apart. That's why if you notice on Sundays here at Crossroads, we invite people to receive Christ and come forward. We don't want any you know, commando Christians, you know, Christians on the stealth that nobody knows. Because Jesus lived outwardly, boldly, audaciously. The early church was bold and audacious. They were not afraid to say, hey man, I believe in the resurrected Jesus. And for too long, I think the Christian church has gotten a little self-conscious. Nobody else is self-conscious about what they believe, but we've gotten self-conscious. As in some ways, following Jesus is like not the most awesome experience in the world. And so when God ordained these men to be priests, everybody was there. Everybody saw it. All the children of Israel were there to bear witness to what God was doing. And notice, of course, in verse 4 it says, so Moses did as the Lord commanded them. And then in verse 5, and Moses said to the congregation, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. Now, all through the Bible, every time I see these expressions of obedience, I always talk about it, don't I? Because we need to learn how to be obedient to the Lord. Life is messy. Life is hard. And obedience is hard, right? How many of us feel like Adam and Eve, like, you can eat of anything you want, but that one tree, don't eat of it. And you're just like, oh, yeah, watch me. Right? We, we have that rebellious streak deep within us where God is saying, look, I want you to love that person. And you're like, well, yeah, not really. Like, you know you're supposed to, but you really, there's that party life. I wonder how far I can push the line. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? You guys have experienced this. I'm not the only pagan here in need of salvation. You know? It's like, we're like, it's like right as we're told not to do something, we're like, oh, come on, just a little bit. Can I play a little, please? So when we see the children of Israel, when we see Moses, this is what the Lord commanded to be done, and they're doing it, I'm like, right on. That's a great picture, an admonition for us. And brother, sister, listen, just like Moses, you notice Moses said to him, look, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. A good pastor or a good church We'll never tell you what you want to hear. We'll tell you what God's word says. And I'm here to tell you, if you find a church or a pastor that always says everything and you like all of it, then you're probably not growing there. Because God is challenging. I mean, is Jesus not the most challenging person in the world? Like every time you're like, yeah, okay, I got this Jesus thing down. And then Jesus comes, you're reading the gospels, and he upsets the apple cart again. Because God realizes that we have a tendency to get comfortable, get settled, and kind of, and then Jesus shows up, party crasher, takes our nice, comfortable spirituality and goes, you know, just messes it up on us. So we need to place ourselves under the simple teachings of God's word. And it's, listen, I'll be honest with you, the reason it's challenging is because we like to be rebels. We're hardwired by nature to be rebels. And so when you hear God's pure word 
And God says, look, I want you to do that. I want you to love that person. I want you to be a servant. I don't want you to grumble. I don't want you to complain. I don't want you to all these things. And then you find yourself, right? How many times? I, I was grumbling today. I was on an airplane. I was tired. And then we hit some turbulence. It was funny. One of the guys from our church was actually captaining that plane. And I was trying to read in the turbulence, and I was like, man, Lord. And the Lord's like, Daniel, do all things without grumbling and complaining. You wouldn't be complaining if you are on the back of a horse-covered wagon trying to read a book. You know, it's like you're in a climate-controlled airplane. They bring you a drink every half hour. It's great. And I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. So, brothers and sisters, let's be simply obedient. In all those areas where we're not obedient, just say, Lord, forgive me. Change my heart so that I will obey your simplest teachings. Because, you know, listen, the children of Israel, you read the Bible, they get all sorts of stuff wrong. But when you see something like this, Moses like, this is what the Lord commanded to be done. And so they're going to do it that way. And that's a great testimony for us, that simple obedience of the Lord. Now, look at what happens in verse 6. Then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. Now, does anybody else feel a little awkward about that verse? It's a public bath. Like, they're in front of everybody, and Moses is there, like, like, like a parent with their kids in the shower. I'm like, what? Okay, mate, I'm the only one who feels awkward about that. Okay. Our pastors here are thinking, praise God, we don't do ordination that way, Pastor Fusco. You know, can you imagine we're up here, we got like water, like. But that's, that's what's going on. Moses brought Aaron, verse 6, and his sons and washed them with water, and he put the tunic on them, girded him with the sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. He girded him with the intricately woven band of the ephod, and with it, tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him and put in the urim and the thummim in the breastplate. He also put the turban on his head, also on the turban, on its front. He put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So notice these steps. First, God gathered the people together, right? Then they were washed, a ceremonial washing, and then they were clothed, properly clothed. And again, we've seen all of these different pieces of clothing when we studied the end of the book of Exodus. We showed you pictures of what they all look like. But don't miss those steps. God calls, God cleanses, and then God reclothes. Didn't we see that in the book of Ephesians? You put off, you be renewed, and then you put on again. That's what God does. He calls us to himself, then he cleanses us with the finished work of Jesus, and then he robes us in the righteousness of Christ to be a priest, to be one of his people. And we see that same thing, those same steps going on. Aaron brings in there, he washes them down, and then he starts to clothe them, put all the different pieces on them, the breastplate, the headgear with the holiness to the Lord plate, all of those things. All of this is going on in front of other people. Now, how cool is that? God is in the process of sanctifying, setting each one of us apart, but he does it publicly. God doesn't, 
Like we get saved and then you get spit out perfect. God has you in process in public. And that's why, brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus, when we fall short of walking worthy of the calling with which we are called, we just simply need to own it. Say, Lord, I'm, say, I'm sorry. When we, when we fall short, when we get in the flesh, when we do something that we know is wrong and someone sees it, we say, you know what? I'm really sorry. God's changing me. He's working on me. Will you pray with me? Pray for me. Because God is setting us apart and reclothing us in Christ in public. Other people see it. They see your warts. They see your mistakes. And the difference between people who follow Jesus and other people is we realize we're in process. The whole gospel begins because we fall short. And we perpetually fall short. And the longer you walk with the Lord, the more you didn't realize, but you're now realizing how far short you really fell all the time. Right? How many of you look back on other days as you follow Jesus? I can't believe I did that. Any, yeah, okay, I'm the only one. You guys are doing great. You guys should be up here teaching. Because yeah. I look back, I'm like, man, I, was, I thought I had it right, and I was so wrong. Because as you walk with the Lord more, you're like, man, I didn't get that right at all. So God is changing us in public. And so be humble as God is doing the work he's doing in your life. Be okay to say, I didn't get that right. Thank God for his grace. Can I have your grace as well? Because we fail, and God is clothing us again in public. Now, of note, of course, is the Urim and the Thummim in verse 8. Literally, the lights and the perfection. Remember I told you when we studied this the first time that I was going to tell you what the Urim and the Thummim was, remember? And what did I tell you it was? Nobody knows. Every time someone comes out and gives you some really cool theory about the Urim and Thummim, don't believe them. Nobody knows. There's a lot of theories, but we shouldn't take people's theories and say that's what they are. We have to be willing to say, I don't know. And listen, I've been reading rabbinical commentaries for a long time, and none of those guys know either. So nobody knows exactly what they were or how they worked. So there's a lot of good theories, and if you like, you can write all the different theories down, you can decide which one you like the best, but that doesn't mean just because that's the one we like the best, that that's actually what those things are. We don't really know what they were. We just knew that God used them in a special way to reveal things at special times, but how he did it, the way he used the ermine through him, no one knows. Totally lost to us. Notice what happens then. Verse 10. Also Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it and consecrated them. Verse 11, he sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the labor in its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Then Moses, verse 13, brought Aaron's sons and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes, and put hats on them as the Lord had commanded Moses. So now. Jesus is real. If you're like me, you forget things all the time. Well, here's Pastor Daniel with something that will help you remember. 
Hey everyone, Pastor Daniel here. I don't know about you, but life is busy and it's so easy to forget things. Now, thankfully, I have a couple of wonderful ladies in my life that join me in helping to accomplish all that God has called me to. Of course, I think of my beautiful bride, Lynn. She keeps me on track in so many ways. And then of course, there's my ministry assistant, Margaret, here at Crossroads. She helps me to make sure that my schedule in the ministry is running smoothly. Now, I love how God uses these ladies and so many other people to help remind me of what's important. One of the easiest things to forget isn't daily things like the schedule. It's actually the most important thing. It's the fact that God is real and he is in heaven and he is with me all the time, wherever I go. It may sound silly, but I started wearing a bracelet that says real on it. This bracelet is a constant reminder to me that Jesus is real and that God's grace is real and his mercy and his love has been poured out into my life. And I wanna make this bracelet available to you as well. Here's Josh with some information about how you can get your very own real bracelet. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. To receive your very own real bracelet, check out JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. These handcrafted leather bracelets are available to anyone who supports Jesus Is Real Radio through the month of January with a gift of $20 or more. Again, to receive your very own real bracelet, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner. Again, that's JesusIsRealRadio.com. Please join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.